to the left, Pellegrini, inside, Pizarro Golasso, Pizarro Golasso! Here's the goal scorer, Morgan, and he's done it again! Lewis Morgan with a second of the match! He won't have a goal! He's framed the top 90! It's a sensational first goal for Gonzalo Higuain! I will go ahead and state for the record, it is much more enjoyable setting up the uh, the equipment here when we know we're going to be talking about a dub and not a not a L. I got to say, yeah, and I don't think you're talking about the extra hand I gave you today, there, bud. But uh, I got to say, this win came a lot faster than last year. <laughs> it certainly did. We did not have to wait till our sixth game. Uh, we're going to get into this. I mean, great, great time. We have uh, Than Harrington joining us, who was actually had the privilege of going to the game. So he's going to tell us about his experiences. Uh, but first off, I, I well, I guess let's go ahead and Than, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? I mean, big win. Can't complain. You know, we're holding up well for a Monday. I think. C- couple drinks in our bellies. There's really nothing to complain about right now, man. Yeah. Finished a whole week of, of solo dadding. So, you know, we're out here. You, you uh, are the dad of the year. We're I, out I here having a good time. Recognizes this man. And, you know, just just Jay, I just want to go ahead and say congratulations, bud, because that was a hell of a week you did. Thank you. Thank you. It was. We uh, we made it. It was scary. It was it was scarier looking than it actually was. But uh, yeah, no, very, very happy to have Chloe back and uh, be able to have a, a partner in uh corralling this little crazy man but uh, enough about my family and myself welcome everyone to the inner mommy podcast we are coming to you very uh joyful we have smiles all around we are happy and the reason we're happy is because we are on the right side of the table as far as the eastern conference goes and there has not really been a lot of news honestly so we really just wanted to bring what we are so excited to talk about which is of course the win over the last season's supporters shield winners which in my eyes is harder to win than actually winning a title but we were able to go out there uh, redeem ourselves from last year there's quite a bit of redemption in this game but overall great great feelings uh in this show we're going to cover that two to one comeback win against the union and we're going to look ahead to nashville uh that we'll be playing on sunday this week but before we get ahead of ourselves alex break down the beautiful night that was saturday night well shoot i think i gotta pass the the microphone over to than harrington who was at the game himself i mean before i get into my analysis dan talk to us a little about a little bit about the environment there's different supporters groups who was out there like talk to us about the game man yeah absolutely it was uh, definitely a beautiful night out in philly uh technically chester area right outside of new jersey commodore barry bridge um it was nice to see fans back in the stands. It was obviously not a full house. Uh, we got to experience the, the somewhat uh, dampened Sons of Ben section that Philly is known for. Uh, their supporters group came out. Uh, they were jamming away. As soon as we pulled in the parking lot, we could hear the drums going and fans chanting. So it was a, a good time from the get-go. Um, you know, I ran into some of the guys from the siege and vice city. So shout out to those boys for making a trip up. I know it was not a easy trip for some of them. Um, you know, and the fans were definitely there for a good time and I'm glad we didn't give it to them. Uh, they were out there 
sporting their supporter shields t-shirts uh they were out there i mean actually the supporter shield was there to take pictures with uh yeah it was it was a good night overall just uh you know sit down and watch a good old game of uh, football just glad we came out on the other end of it i don't want to say this i mean actually you know what it just doesn't get said enough big it's just a big big shout out to all the supporters who travel to these games this is just that's what football is about and you guys are doing everything that we want to go do so when we see the social media flying around how dare you commandeer my soundboard duties yeah i Oh, goodness. We're going to start a soundboard war here. <laughs> Don't you Wait, hold me. on. I got to add something to it. Oh, I didn't get the soundboard rights yet. That's right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> hey, fan. Secret life hack. You don't need any rights, dude. Just go ahead and download one. Just pop in the game. Let me just go down and get the baby real quick, and that'll be my sound. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but as Than was saying, man, this was this was a hell of a game. I uh, got a lot of conversations up and down social media throughout the match, and actually, I think this is a great time to go ahead and introduce a new initiative of the Inner Miami Podcast, and. Mm. That is our Discord channel. You can go ahead and catch us on Discord. And honestly, I'm going to pass the microphone to Jay because he's a little bit more knowledgeable about this world. Jay, what is <laughs> this Discord? Is nice. this, I, this is so nice because you sit over here like the pompous tech IT guy all the time. So to, to find the one, one little application that I know more of than you is, is truly, truly yeah, enjoyable. back on. Let's get to what Discord is, sir. <laughs> but yes, Discord, it's like a massive um, real-time chat platform. I, I believe it honestly was started in the video game industry for computer nerds to be able to talk during matches. But um, it has the audio feature which we're looking for, which we did with Clubhouse, which we actually enjoyed uh, a significant amount of. On, and so we will be able to do what we're looking for is uh, eventually get into a halftime audio chat and, and post game uh, and probably pregame as well as far as audio chats go to. But in general, it's just a chat tool. So you download Discord. Uh, it's pretty user friendly. We have all these different channels. We have Inter Miami. We have Fort Lauderdale CF. We have just MLS in general. Uh, we have fan meetups for away games, fan meetups for home games. We have FIFA tournament banter. So different channels to talk to. Uh, kicked it off right before the game. Uh, had a handful of people jump in there and we were just kind of chatting throughout the game. So really, really cool tool uh, to, you know, voice your opinions, just talk to the community, to, a lot familiar to connect to each other in real time. There's no delay. It's just like aim uh, for, I guess I might date me a little bit, maybe Slack or, or AOL instant <laughs> messaging or, or uh, Teams, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I don't even know if they know what AOL is anymore. But yeah, really cool. Check it out. Uh, we were sharing that on our social media. I shared in the fan group. Uh, if you missed it or don't have it, just DM us, reach out to us in any capacity, and uh, we'll get you that link. Super easy. I think that's what we call a silent launch there. But we are silent no more. We have a Discord. Jay just went ahead and give you all the info. DM us on any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Inter Miami Podcast, or on Twitter, Inter MIA Podcast. Go ahead and hit us up. Ask for the DM. We'll send it over. Download Discord and join the fun and the community. But that brings us back to the, to the game, to the big game against the Philadelphia Union. And fellas, I got to ask, I mean... It seemed a lot of similarities to the match against the LA Galaxy, where it really seemed like a tale of two halves. We looked absolutely out 
outstanding in the first half. Honestly, probably some of the best football we may have ever played as an organization. But then when we hit that second half and we got a little bit of break time, you know, to give our legs a little bit of rest, it, it took a little bit of time to get our motor and our energy and on our enthusiasm back to the level of what we were playing with in the first half. And, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for the man, the super sub himself, Federico Iguain, I don't know if we're sitting at a one and one record right now. So, you know, outside of that, what, what were your guys' thoughts on kind of both halves looking at them at uh, comparison? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, we came out strong in the first half. We were really dominating the midfield and imposing our will and in our system of play on uh, the Philly Union. And then, yeah, in, in the second half, it, it got a little, um, we started a little slow. Philly came out pretty hot out of the gates. I think the major switch up was uh, Robbie Robinson going down with a hamstring injury uh, right as the whistle blew to conclude the first half. So he was actually subbed off for uh, Jay Chapman, who then, instead of playing that winger role, he kind of reverted more to a cam level role, but it was honestly kind of more of a 4-3-3 with him playing in midfield along with Matuidi and, uh, and Gregore, whereas Pizarro then rotated over to the left wing, which is honestly his more natural position, and then Gonzalo up top and, and Lewis on the, the other side of him as well. This was... Um, it was interesting. I, I was a little worried at first just with the early sub, and then we got Federico coming on for Pizarro. So another one of those subs, I think, kind of just like last week where he came on for, for Lewis Morgan. And those players don't really equate as far as youth and energy goes, but I'll tell you what, Federico came on um, very, very composed, very stoic, a lot of pressure going on, and he seemed to be able to you know kind of calm down everyone uh, around him. And then the subs started happening earlier than the previous week. And I think this was really a reflection of Phil Neville learning from, uh, game one against LA to game two against Philly that, you know, he got out coached by, by LA galaxy and he wanted to make sure that he got his subs on and we can run through these subs, uh, in a little bit, but then what were your initial thoughts? You know, first half, I was really excited. Um, I got to say, my play of the first half was Figal's uh, Heisman-worthy stiff arm down the touchline as the ball was going out. Uh, from my angle, because it happened right in front of us, he actually grabbed the uh, the winger by the throat and kind of threw him down like uh, Derrick Henry running through a defender. Uh, and then he pleaded his case to the official. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I don't know if the official didn't have his glasses on or what was going on, but the official was like, oh, yeah, you're good, man. No worries. Yeah, it and wasn't you, you're right. Yeah, and then he kind of like did that three or four more times as the half went on. Um, I, I'm actually the opposite of you guys, though. I was more comfortable in the second half. At the first half, I felt a little know, apprehensive, and maybe it was because I was seeing the game in whole rather than seeing it on screen. But I felt like players were having trouble shifting in the gear. They They were missing some of their assignments. Like, we would get out on the break. But, I mean, God forbid Gonzalo would run more than five feet before he threw his hands up in the air and waved him around like he just don't care and then turn around and scream at somebody in the midfield. Uh, at halftime, I was, I was thinking, okay, yep, we're going to have the possibility of making some good changes here. Pizarro did look tired. You could see he walked off the pitch as everybody else kind of jogged. Uh, I wasn't sure which way Phil was going to go with that. And, you know, I, I will admit – in the second half, when I saw Federico come on, I actually hung my head. And I kind of looked at my son. I said, well, here comes another long day, buddy. Um, and he just looked at me smiling because he had no clue what was going on with that. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I'm um, just happy for I, my popcorn. <laughs> No, he got a $30 meal. Thank you, Philly <laughs> Union. Uh, but, um, you know, honestly, I'm happy I was wrong about both players. You know, Figal obviously became, you know, an integral part in that second half. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Federico, we wouldn't win without him. So, um, yeah, other than that, I'm going to keep putting his name out there. Sammy came on strong. Mm-hmm. He got subbed on, came on strong, and he dominated that side of the pitch especially in the last 10 minutes or so when they kept lobbing everybody through, everybody through. He made some crucial tackles. I don't think uh, got enough credit or praise uh, from anybody in the Inter-Miami organization. Very fair, sir. Very fair. And I think kind of the biggest difference that I saw in the first half even was just was honestly the midfield play. It was, midfield play was outstanding throughout the entire match. And, you know, to your point, when Pizarro was looking a little bit, he was looking a little tired out there. We made the right substitution and moved on with it. But I thought that the the Greg Gregory or Gregor, however you want to pronounce his name, you know, that to date is 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 paying dividends in the middle of the field for us and truly filling a hole that we did not have last year. And as we kind of talk about filling the hole and, you know, getting into more of the attack defense and midfield moving forward, let's go over kind of the, how the scoring unfolded. It was the Philadelphia union who did open up scoring, taking a one to zero lead in the 54th minute. Uh, Casper Pijelko, Pijelko, Shabelko. Sometimes you get a little tongue tied there, but he, played a cutting pass across the box that was found by uh, Montero, Montero and uh, fired a strike into the back of the net, which was their first goal of the match and their only goal of the match. But the scoring did happen in the second half, and we were not done. We did not even start at this point. In the 73rd minute, Inter-Miami found the equalizing goal by Federico Iguain, who stepped up to take a free kick just above the upper right corner of the box and whipped it to the delivery found by his brother, Gonzalo Higuain, in the box who headed the shot past the goalkeeper for the equalizer for the 1-1 tie. Not too long after that, Inter-Miami made a final few substitutions in the 78th minute, bringing on Victor Uyoya and for Matuidi, as well as Ryan Shawcross for Leardom, and the substitution that marked the MLS debut for Mr. Shawcross. And at that point, gentlemen, it was victory for Inter-Miami on a beautiful goal by Federico Iguain. What was the feeling like in the stadium, Than, when that goal happened and the home crowd realized that this game was no longer in their favor? This game was no longer tied, but they were now losing the match. So, yeah, I actually couldn't believe it because I thought that it was going wide from my angle. And I looked over, and all of a sudden, I see Max Ramos jumping up and down, screaming like an absolute (laughs) banshee. And then the the vice flags start coming down, and then you hear just this exasperated groan from the Union fans. And I'm throwing Riley up in the air, and we're the only ones that are cheering for Inter-Miami in the section. Uh, and you could tell at that point, Union were done. They they did not have the reserves in the tank to come back and and take us on. And at that point forward, it felt like a home game for us. Vice City, the Siege were making their presence known. The, the chants were coming in hard and strong. And, you know, we didn't have to hear dupe anymore. That was, that was fantastic. No, it, it definitely was. And what... 
you know, we, we, I mean, I, if I'm going to be the only ones taking the stance, I, I guess I will be, but that first like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of that second half were, were sloppy and I could really see the momentum starting to change. And then once we, we went down, uh, with the first goal and this was in the 50th, fourth minute by, uh, Montero, uh, I was like, man, damn, like, you know, that, that's going to be it. I think Quinn had, had, he tried to watch the, the game with me and at like the 40th minute, he was like, can we put a movie on? So I put a Disney movie on for him. Uh, thanked him for, for spending 40 minutes with his, uh, his old man. But when that happened, I was like, uh, oh, well, like, you know, here we go again, it's going to be tough. And you could tell the, the energy was, was sucked out of the team for, uh, really, you know, not that long, but it was. And so those first couple minutes after the goal, I was like, damn, like it's going to be, you know, a long night. And then that first goal from, from Gonzalo came and I was like, all right, well, great. Well, we, we've got a chance to draw it out right now. And, um, what really stood out to me in, in obviously we're going to talk about the significance of both a wine brothers scoring. And that's the first time in the MLS where two brothers have, uh, scored in the same game yet alone on the same team, but in the same game. But what really stood out is when they subbed on Shawcross for, for Leardham. Okay. Now, Leardon plays as right back. Nika was playing as a center back, but they brought Shawcross in, who is a center back. So he took over Fagal's duty, and Fagal took over Leardon's duty uh, as a right back. And this allowed Fagal to get very active. And I think both him and LGP had phenomenal games, but Fagal started to get very active in the attack. He's the one who laid down that beautiful little fake shot and then hesitation move and another little kind of. Um, faint to get the cross off to Federico who scores a beautiful header. I mean, two beautiful headers and this one putting us up and I was jumping up and down in my living room, fist pumping like a maniac, but trying to be quiet to not wake up a child sleeping upstairs. But this change right here to Nico getting more active in that right back and up the right side of the attack, I think was the game changing game busting moment outside of, of Federico Iguain coming in and being able to calm everybody and get everyone back on the same page to make this comeback. It was truly beautiful, sir. I mean, that was a, it, it was a moment in Inter-Miami history. And, you know, Jay, I know that you have the stats pulled up, want to go over them briefly. What what were the stats? And then question two is what what stood out in your mind most after looking them over? Um, so as, as far as the statistics go, um, what stood out to me the most is that, you know, coming off game one against LA Galaxy, we had what, like 18 shots with nine on target, something, you know, very high in this game, much, much less. We had six total shots with three being on target. So that means out of our two, you know, two out of three shots on target and the third shot that was on target that that was not a goal was another beautiful header from Federica Higuain that Blake was able to kind of shift his body weight kind of mid jump and, and, and get back to his um his far post to stop that from going in so as far as on target efficiency very good game uh fouls anytime we have less fouls in the team that's good anytime we can get yes less yellow cards that's good but we had 12 fouls philadelphia at 15 
as far as yellow cards go. Each team had one. Blaze got the yellow card for Inter Miami. It was in the 30th minute. Uh, zero red cards, one offside apiece. And if we recall back to uh, the game with LA Galaxy, there were no offsides uh, in that game. So now we're talking about only one offsides in two games. I really like what that says about our team and everyone being on the same page as far as timing attacks go. Uh, corner kicks, we only had one. Philadelphia had nine. So we did have to weather those corner kicks as they just kept going in and going in and us trying to defend our lead. And then saves, not a lot of saves in this game. We're talking about two for Inter-Miami with John McCarthy, one for Philadelphia Union uh, in, in Blake, who is a phenomenal uh, keeper plays for the national team uh, of Jamaica. Possession-wise, 53% to Philadelphia, 47% to Inter-Miami. Given our dominance of the midfield for most of that game, uh, very impressed. You know, the, the possession's pretty close. It wasn't like we were, you know, sub 40% or anything like that. Uh, but overall, I mean, really, for not having impressive stats as far as you know, being having significant numbers on shots or saves or whatever, we really made the the few attempts we had count. It, it seemed to be a very efficient way to play ball. But to be fair, I think the only actual attempt we had in the first half was Robbie's shot that you know hit hit the the, the crossbar, which would have been a, a phenomenal goal. And just real quick breaking it down as far as substitutions i know you you did all already go through this but quick timeline 30th minute blazeman tweedy gets a yellow card 46th minute so first minute of the second half chapman subbed on for robinson going down at the very end of the first half with a hamstring injury he honestly probably could have played through it but um neville pulled him out as a precaution let's not let's not hurt him we're going to need him a lot this season uh 62nd minute federico Iguain comes on for Rodolfo Pizarro in the 69th minute. Sammy Gadiri comes on for Jovan Jones uh, in the 73rd minute. That's when Gonzalo scores. 78th minute, Uyoya comes on for Blaise Matuidi in the 79th minute. Shaw Cross switches off or switches on rather uh, for Leerdam. And then uh, in the 83rd minute, Federico gets his game winning goal. So we're talking two goals in a 10 minute span, two headers off two beautifully shaved heads that are accompanied by a nice um, beard on both brothers. And Alex, I know you've been saving this uh, soundboard little music talking about their beautiful beards and their shiny bald heads. So go ahead and drop that if you want to. I can't tell if that's, that's loud, but I like that's it. That's that Iguain fire right there, <laughs> baby. That, you set me that's up That's that Argentinian fire. So we're talking about uh, two brothers connecting. It's a first in MLS history. It's a first in Inter-Miami history. Um, other connections outside of the city, brotherly love, hosting the first ever brother scoring in the same game. Again, get alone on the same team. Uh, but also with Nico Fagal's assist to Federico, this was an all-Argentinian connection as far as assisting and scoring went so we know we have like eight of them <laughs> we've got eight argentinians on the team maybe more uh but hey very 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 happy with the efficiency and the will to not give up and come back which we probably didn't would not see that last season on, on alonzo's team if dove, dove body wash doesn't give federico you know, a sponsorship. I don't know what they're doing because this is a prime opportunity. I mean, any type like Rogaine, you know, head and shoulders, you name it, man. This might be it. We'll <laughs> yeah. be the first ever head and shoulder. I think Than just stroking his uh... before and after. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want to make Than feel bad. Okay, not Than. Listen, I'm going to go. And he for shaved the his beard. Look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look at that. 
I'll you you went from lumberjack to Gonzalo pretty quick. Well, there you go. Look at it right there. The bald spot <laughs> rocker. We're going with Gonzalo. Look. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring up one point, though. The union are going to be kicking themselves when they look at the highlights. If you watch that second goal, for whatever reason, the defender is still marking Gonzalo, who is on his butt sitting in front of the keeper, which then mm-hmm. freed up Federico. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just going to take those little breaks left and right. And you hit the nail on the head. We would not have seen this team spirit, team chemistry with Alonzo's team last year. And for us to make this push towards the end, I mean, that was a fantastic way. Um, I can tell you, being at the D.C. United game last year where Pizarro scored the club's first ever goal, I thought we were going to be into a same situation where, oh, no, we went down. We're not going to come. We're not going to be able to come back. And I was pleasantly surprised. I'm hoping this continues going uh, down the line for sure. Yeah, and I like the quick switch from a you know a four two three one into more of your traditional four three three with with Chapman in the midfield. I, I like anytime we can get Pizarro on that left side into his natural position. I like that, and I think that that was a good uh, you know game changing decision from Neville. And again, another week where he continues to boost the confidence level. So real quick, fellas, we're going to break down each one of these levels, you know, individually and focus on the defense first. I got to say, this is one of the best games LGP has played mm-hmm. with an inner Miami jersey on his back. It was also, I think, his first game that he had the captain's band on his shoulders. This? I think it was the second. I think he first wore it when he scored the game to beat Orlando at the end of the season. Ah, get us into the, so to, this to man the plays player. well when he gets that that recognition. <laughs> yes, he does. I can tell Phil was like, you know what, man? Like, we, we got to let you have a little bit more leash to talk to these refs because you're going to get us in some more trouble. Yeah. But, but phenomenal game by LGP. It seemed like every time there was a set piece by the Philadelphia Union, he was in the middle disrupting everything. It felt like... Every corner kick that happened, LGP had his head on the ball, which really gave a lot of room and, you know, exhausted relief to the back line and really resulting in a lot of relief for for the goalkeeper, John McCarthy himself. And I mean, if our defense can play like this and, and kind of hold off a, you know, attacking onslaught by, you know, the opposing teams that kind of happened in the LA Galaxy match, you know, our team's going to be pretty dang good, which I don't know if we can ask this of them every single week, but this is a good sign that we're fully capable of doing so. It is, and I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to say this was not only LGPs, but also Fagal's best 90 minutes they've strung together on this club. And what was most impressive about it all is for LGP to play at a, such a high level and not get one yellow card to say. <laughs> is he can do it. He can play 100% clean, maybe not clean, you know, maybe you get away with some stuff, but very impressed that, you know, we're not going to be having to sit him out for the sixth game of the season due to yellow card accumulation. We will at least make it till week seven now. And, and Finn, you touched on this player, but Sammy Gadiri, I got to ask you, man, talk to me a little bit about him in particular, because... You know, he's played in both matches thus far this season. And, you know, we did use our third overall draft pick in Dylan Nealis last year. And we did decide to let Dylan go. Um, I don't think that there's a disconnect. I think there's an absolute correlation between Sammy getting more PT and Dylan leaving. What do you see? As soon as he stepped on the field out uh, in Philly, it was almost like high energy met that side of the field. And I was a little concerned, you know, as much as he's my guy and I've been pushing him to everybody I talked to by inner Miami. It, it was an immediate connection, like Lego bricks snapping together, mm-hmm. LGP, Figal, 
Gatorade. They all just boom. And then when Shawcross came on, that added experience that Sammy doesn't have really helped him feel more confident to play his side of the pitch and not have to worry about someone sneaking in behind him. Um, you know, I, I could see the confidence growing more and more and more for him each game. And it, it's definitely a good thing to see because we never know when he might become the full time. You know, if something happens down the road, we're going to need him to be at the ready. Yes, indeed. Well, to be fair, we are we are pretty deep on that back line, which is good. But this, I mean, we're st- we're seeing growth from week one to week two, right? Because for all intents and purposes, we have a, it's a brand new back line, right? We're kind of plugging these pieces together. The the one thing that we do have consistent from this previous season to this season is that we still have Nico Fagal on LGP, but where there were some slight communication issues just from lack of game time together, you could see an improvement. Now, is it ready to go completely? Like, no, I would not, you know, bring this home to my, to my mother. Right. But you know, we're getting to where we need to, to get. And I think that we're going to see a, a progression throughout this season where it honestly might be closer to into June, July, where we actually see the full capacity of this team because everyone's still getting familiar with each other, coming from brand new squad last year to almost half of, of your squad being new this year. There's going to be some of those, uh, you know, learning pains, growing pains, or, or whatever you, you want to refer to them. But I was just, I was really happy to see the progression from week one to two. You know, and you talk about June and July. At that point, we should be seeing Kieran Gibbs coming in. Exactly. Which is going to be even more of, you know, support for that line. And while it will take him a little bit of time to catch up, everybody's going to be on that same page. So it should kind of exponentially boost his uh, ability to catch up to the team and be a definite added influence. Well, I know you love those Arsenal players. I was quiet on purpose. I, no, I, I don't, no, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> I, I, at first, I was like, maybe it doesn't. And I was like, no, he definitely heard me. No, you know, <laughs> and just real quick, I'm going to touch on this. I was really hoping Chelsea would get the band hammer for the whole Super League thing, even though United started it. Um, yeah, you so. know, you, you take it. People were asking me, I was like, going, I was like, I'm not happy with that this is happening to the sport, but I'm, I'm happy at least Chelsea was invited because if this does happen, I don't want to be on the outside. I want to be yeah, with but, it. But, one last thing about that. It was like the big kids inviting the little kid along to the party. You know, you you finally got to graduate from the, you know, the kids table and come up with the big boys. So Tottenham and Arsenal have four, All right, fellas, four titles. This, this is the inner Miami four podcast. titles over not, the past decade. Chelsea not, is not, eight. Get off of it. Calling it not, not Miami, Dan and titles, Jay's bedtime stories here. This is the inner Miami podcast and we got to bring it back in here. Jay, it seems Why like you are you yelling at I me? Don't, let me take it <laughs> it's like Judge Judy's on. Let Damn. me take it down here. But uh, Jay, you save face this week on John McCarthy here, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. didn't get much action in between the goalposts. But kind of talking about the June July time frame, we might have a new goalkeeper in there too. You know, Nick Marsman sitting back, you know, waiting to join us in the summertime, you know, so we'll see how the team shapes up at that point. But again, it's an outstanding opportunity for John. It is John's opportunity to lose. So he's got a few months to go ahead and show us what he's got. But come July, Neville's going to have a lot of problems trying to find out his back four and his goalkeeper. These are good, these problems, are good problems to but have. They're still going to be problems. Well, where are we going to put Mabika? 
if they want to maybe sign Mabika, that'd be lovely. I don't know is what that his happening. What's going on with? I that? don't know how he feels. We've been waiting on it. I thought when Nealis was gone that they were going to use that that spot to to sign Mabika. I'm the indecisiveness on this is 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 somewhat concerning. I would have to think this is more of a club decision than Mabika. I mean, you're coming right out of college. I don't think you have much ground to stand on to to make like a contract stand. Like, no, I want the Supermax. Just like those Kentucky boys. <laughs> yeah, just like those, those one-and-done Kentucky boys. Eh? No, his, um, uh, his agent his agent must be Mina Rayola. Yeah, exactly. A sweet time signing. Exactly. So who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll get him as well because he's a statue of a man. But there was one spot in this match that stood out to me most above all, and it was the outstanding midfield play. It was the reason that I thought we looked so impressive in the first half was the clear, the absolute clear advantage we have of having Gregory on our team is a such a positive, guys. It, 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 it doesn't even begin to describe. It is a hole that we had on our club the entire last year. We lacked the fluidity up the middle of the pitch. We always had to bounce it to the outside, give it to Lewis Morgan, who's going to cross it in the middle for us to miss a header. I got to say, I don't know the total goals that we had last year off the top of my head, but I think it was something like 26, 24, something like that. But we're at, we're at right now. <laughs> was it that high? <laughs> well, it was, but we're at four goals right now in the season in two games. And that's a testament to our offensive mm -hmm. threat and the pressure that we've been putting on the club. And so, two for Gonzalo in two games. You're right. So, I mean, that's doubled his goal total of last year. So let's look at this, you know, level in particular, guys. And let me ask, I mean, what were you guys seeing out there on the pitch? Dan, you know, out seeing there in person and Jay looking on the TV like myself down in, you know, Key West watching the game. But adding, you know, Gregory to the mix, putting them with Matuidi and Pizarro, enabling them to play much more freely into really kind of their more natural positions, which has done the club wonders. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what your guys' thoughts are on this. Yeah, so you could tell with... Gregory, Gregore, whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce it. Blaze had the strings cut from, you know, what he had attached to him last year. He was able to roam. He was able to sneak around. He was able to let Pizarro jet off to the left, and then he snuck in around the right side, uh, providing some relief for Lewis uh, so Lewis could get out and run with it. It was nice to see that we finally have confidence in that, I don't know, the back center mid center defensive mid spot. So our attacking mids don't feel like they have to stick behind in case there's a fast break and they need to get back. Uh, Jay, what do you think? I agree. I, I really love, I mean, obviously I've been partial to Brazilians due my time in Brazil, but I love that he can come in and, and really kind of take, it's not a 50, 50 pivot. Uh, you know, Gregory takes, predominantly the I'm going to hold down the 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 defensive midfield and I'm going to let Blaze kind of be a, a horse out there on an open range but once they you know once Robbie went down and they subbed on Chapman and then brought him into more of the the true kind of 4-3-3 midfield with Pizarro on the wing you almost saw like a, I don't even know if a triple pivot is a thing but Gregorio would hold hold it down Matuidi would do his thing and then Chapman was actually going into a, a much more kind of free roam uh, role for the squad. So I was just really impressed from, from start to finish, maybe a slight lull from minute 46 to maybe 55 or 60. Right. But that, that's expected, but just really impressed with the, I know we say this term a lot. It honestly is one of my favorite, but the fluidity, man, we weren't struggling to go from the back line to the attack. 
we were able to control play our game in there better than what Philly could do. And I honestly think if you're going to, you know, talk, I mean, outside of an individual performance from Federico Iguain or maybe a defensive rotation of Nico Fagal, if you want to talk about what probably could be credited with winning this game, it would be the, the, the midfield dominance that we had on the supporter shield winners. Yeah. And to your point, Jay, the lull came as Pizarro got tired. Yeah. You know, in that 10 minute span, you said Pizarro was gassed and then they subbed him out immediately. And that was beautiful tact, you know, tact, tactful move, whatever you want to say. I'm tired. Give me a break. No, I, know, I get it. it. Beautiful. But you, you would for want Rico to come on. I, I just got to think you'd want your DPs to be able to play up, up to 90 minutes, you know? So I, that's a kind of concern that, that he has to come off, but we did finally get the answer for the, the one black, cleat one white cleat it's for his charity initiative to combat racism so we, we did learn that um and i mean he, he was again all over the place high energy so we'll see what happens i don't know exactly how injured robbie is i mean we're recording this you know without really any news coming out but i think that was also a, a precaution but I, I guess my main question in the midfield would be where where does Federico fit in because he almost was able to, to tie up the game against LA Galaxy. He was just wide to the left side. But I'm kind of thinking, what do we do here, right? Is this someone we should probably let start? He seems to have a good a good effect on the game, so why not have him maybe start? But who then who do you take out? That's the question. Wait, wait, are you talking about... Yes. Federico Iguain. Yes. Uh, actually, dude, I think he's actually in the perfect position for what he brings to the table. I don't know if this guy can play a full 90 minutes right now. I think that him being a super sub for our team and kind of that microwave, your six man off the bench, if you want to go ahead and use a basketball analogy. Don't take Breck's title away from me. <laughs> well, Breck, we got to see there on the pitch, Breck. too, to be honest with don't you. Don't they Breck. But I think Federico's role right now is actually exactly what it should be. I don't think he should be playing the whole game, at least from the start. I think that he needs to offer that that bit of aggressiveness and offensive threat that kind of, I guess, ties everyone together when we need it. You know, we may not need Federico every single game, and we're going to have to save those legs for when we do need him. So, honestly, I'm in a little what? bit more on the other side of the table on that. He could. What if we subbed on Robbie in the 60th minute and had his young... Well, listen, the way Robbie's playing, I think he's got to see as much of the field as he possibly can. Yeah. But if his injury is significant, then do you just move... Pizarro over to the left for uh, for the national game and then let Federico start. I, I think at some point we're going to see some Federico starting action. I think whether someone's recovering from an injury, someone's maybe not fit or tired, I'd be hard-pressed. I mean, you know, he he's coming on in, in two games now and been a, a more of a reassuring big brother figure to get everyone back on the same page, you know, tranquilo, focused, and get everyone moving again right at the, the time where they were in their lull. So I, I'm not against it. I want to see exactly what it would look like, but I'm certainly not against it. Well, he was seemed like a player that we just kind of picked up last year, right? He was a he was a player coach. He was like, dude, I want to play with my brother. Toronto, right? Like, wasn't that where he it was, was? It was a week at no, not Toronto, DC United. DC, yes, yeah, so but United. a week after Gonzalo Sani put in a transfer request yeah. to come over. So yeah, I so. Mean, it's kind of it's unbelievable seeing a guy who's paying dividends, you know, out when it's yeah. kind of just added, you know, off the whim. That's a good point. That is a very, very, very good point. Um, what el what also stuck out to me? Oh, did, sorry. Go ahead then. 
No, it's cool. What I was going to say, and you know, you guys could probably stick me to the post for this one is maybe we sit Pizarro for the first half and see yeah. how Federico was, you know, how Federico pushes Gonzalo. Because one thing I noticed from the stands, Gonzalo moves when Federico's on the pitch. Yeah. Gonzalo, st- like, brother, I was, better. and you know, Jay, I was texting Very you, I was screaming, point. I was irate. Gonzalo yep. was walking all over the place. And then Federico came on and was like, oh, my brother's out here. Bang, bang, bang. Yep. Let's move. He'll hold him to a higher standard. Might- yeah, I think yeah. it might actually pay dividends, and I have nothing against Pizarro. I love Pizarro, but until he gets up to full match fitness, let's let's start with Federico, get Gonzalo moving, and then have Pizarro slide in the second half when the defense is tired. He can bring in his flair and his speed. Yeah, I mean Pizarro can control with very crisp, clean movement, great decision making, but. Iguain Federico has has just a, an experience standpoint where he can. He can play that that player coach role as you know mid game as we're playing. One thing that really stood out to me, do you are you you want, are, do you have something right now? Or you just just oh dude, right? now you see me smiling. No, I I was actually gonna quote Than Than in our in our message group. It was a little bit more than Than a quote. I think I'm about to go out there and throat slam Gonzalo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And Than is an absolute unit. He possesses the the arms and the strength to do that. I was in a barring QS. I almost pissed myself. I retyped that two or three times because it was a lot more graphic. Yeah, I'm just really aggressive. I was was a little irate, but uh, we can talk about that when we talk about the attacking group. Yeah, yeah. But one thing that, that, you know, has been... Kind of sticking out like uh, like a little wound here is Lewis Morgan, much better game, um, but still yet to make his impact what what do you what do you think's going on here yeah i mean now we're moving into the attack and you know hey it's it's hard to rip on the attack with two goals but hey you know we, we got to talk about it a little bit and break it down and i guess first and foremost before we get into lewis morgan jay let's talk about mr robbie robinson i'm talking about the first overall draft pick of the 2020 super draft like this guy's got to be thinking you know daryl who like at this point, he's got to be a little pissed off, you know, of all the success that Daryl DK has been having throughout he's his got a lot entire to career. And it's just getting going, but so is Robbie's. And, you know, I got to say, he had one of the best miss misses we may see all year with that beautiful right hooker that missed off. Well, not a right hook. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, right footage shot. Yeah. after this one. But, uh, but no, I mean, it, it, seeing the progress that he's made under Phil Neville from year one to year two has been absolutely recognizable. And we've touched on it a few times in this podcast. But, you know, let's hope that this injury is not serious. Haven't seen, you know, any real medical update come out of camp yet. Uh, I believe it was a hamstring, if I'm not mistaken, which hamstrings are freaking annoying. If you've played a sport, you know this. If you've walked on two legs, you know this. So, you know, we will see how that injury pans out. But I think Robbie, first and foremost, has been probably the biggest bright spot uh, that I was not expecting at the beginning of the year. You know, I was expecting for, you know, Gregore, and you know Iguain and Pizarro to play well but Robbie I wasn't too sure about fellas uh, I mean certainly certainly an improvement You're, this is the best miss he's going to have all season because the rest are going to certainly go in that uh, that net there but 
Yeah, I mean, truly impressive. I, I wouldn't, I mean, he, he's up there. I think Federico probably still is the, the light for me as far as his impact in the first two games. But this is something we, we wanted to see. We, we spent a high draft pick on you. Obviously, you're, you're, I think everyone's kind of aware of the, the shadow that DK has casted over that entire uh, draft class. But it's good to see him getting active and, and effective. He's, he's got quick feet, man. He, he's a, a nice little kind of shake and bake player as he settles continues to settle in i think we're going to start to see uh goals drop and he already got one under his belt in the home opener but this is something that we're going to have to continuously see we'll keep an eye on the injury and see where we stand so moving away from robbie focusing back on the man the myth the legend lewis morgan our 2020 inter miami mvp what's why, why is he off to a little bit of a slower start out of the gates this year fan what, what do you think well from what i saw uh, you know, watching the first game and live at the second game, you can tell that the opponents are, you know, sucking on to him more and not letting him get the space that he had last year. Um, he still tries to motor through, but in terms of the Philadelphia Union, they knew what he was trying to do and they let the defender who was marking him back off four, five, six steps. So whenever the through ball would go through for Lewis, whether in the air or on the ground, that defender automatically had the advantage on him no matter how fast lewis ran uh some of the pressure was taken off of him while robbie was doing his thing on the other side of the pitch but lewis could never get into gear uh to to make that difference uh, he would get down the wing and he would cross it or he would get down the wing and it would hit off a defender or he'd get the ball stripped from him and i think right now uh he's you know i'm not speaking for him but i feel like he's frustrated because he's not able to find the same creative space. He wants to be able to help the team out and get the ball into Pizarro, uh, both Higuain's, uh, to Robbie, to whoever. But right now, the opponents are on to what he did to make him so successful last year. They're not going to allow him to do it. Um, I would personally like to see Lewis maybe bounce off and be that roaming uh, player that we had talked about previously with uh, some of the other players. I think if he was able to roam a little bit more, which he did a tiny bit, uh, when Chapman came on and Federico came on and there was a little bit of mixture there. Um, but I think he'd benefit more to have a little bit of a roaming presence. Jay, what do you think? I, I agree with you. He's a victim of his own success, right? They're going to key in on that. And obviously he was our MVP to be fair. You know, he, he had a relatively slow start. I don't, I mean, I don't know if slow starts fair, but I don't think it was told that at first Atlanta game where he, he kind of broke through. That's when I turned to Alex and I was like, like, once he gets his first goal, it's just going to be a flood of goals and, and, and skillful play. And that happened. So maybe a little bit of slow start, maybe a little bit of match fitness, or maybe they're just keen in on that he is an absolutely wonderful player and, you know, one of our top playmakers. But something to keep our eyes on, and we'll see we'll see how, how it progresses throughout the season. Well, another thing that I've been keeping my eyes on this, this year, guys, is Gonzalo Higuain's energy level. And I got to say, listen – the guy complains he's going to whine he's going to he's going to throw his hands in the air every single play that he doesn't get the ball or doesn't go his way but that being said i've seen him much much more involved in the offense and i think fan you brought up a fantastic point earlier and i'm going to keep my eye on it and really kind of maybe it's that brother feder you know federico gonzalo combo where federico's like hey dude like let, let, let's jam let's win some games together like they have that chemistry that they built throughout their entire lives i mean shoot they are part of the same damn sperm so i mean you well, might as well, well well i don't know if you understand how well it 
I works. Mean, genetics. It's genetics. It's all coming from They're, the same. Well, you know, by definition, they'd have to be two separate. I have questions. Yeah, I, I got. Is answers. this what they teach at UM? Is this really what they teach at the the private school of South Florida? Is twins coming? From, okay, whatever. They're not twins even. They're just brothers. Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to give you biology lesson here, buddy. You know, you say one Whatever. thing wrong and you just get the iron thrown at you over here. But but you know what? All I, I forgot say... what I was going to say. Okay, here we go. Oh, here he, we go. He was playing the way he should play. He was playing with his back against the goal. He was playing there, posting up, waiting for service in, whether it be ground balls, over-the-head balls, crosses. He's playing in his goal poaching role. Last year, he had to play much more of a creational type role. Now we've kind of get it, got it figured out that we need to feed the ball to him. That's why you see him throw his hands up when Robbie doesn't pass him the ball because he wants to go for goal. You know, in 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 Iguain in Gonzalo's eyes and Pepita's eyes, he's wide open. In in Robinson's eyes, there's three defenders in between you guys. So I I, I like to see that out of him, that fire. But he's playing well because he's he's playing how he should be. He's this is the system that that Gonzalo scored the thirty some odd goals for. Uh, was it Napoli in, in in Serie A, right? I mean, this is this is when he sets the record, right? This is how he should play. We can't have him outside the box trying to open up chances for everyone else. So it's good to see us finally utilizing Gonzalo Higuain as Gonzalo Higuain should be utilized. But to that point, that he needs to get in the box more often. There's plenty of times where where Pizarro was trying to get the attack moving and because, you know, Gonzalo was in the slow lane going 35 in a 70, the play got held up. And then, as I said, once Federico came on, he was like, oh, green light, let's go. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got to make sure, I hate to say it like this, but you almost have to make sure Gonzalo's happy to get the best out of Gonzalo. And if that means Federico's on the pitch again, I'm going to say more power to him. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm right there with you. How do we how do we unlock our our great talents? You know, yeah. Well, you know, if you can change that body language around, we might have a real winner on our hands. But we got to let some time play, and hopefully, a little bit more team chemistry helps the cause. But you know, those were the different layers that we had. But there was a fourth level to this whole thing, and that's actually coaching, gentlemen. We got Mr. Phil Neville at the helm, and I gotta say, it is a light year of difference what do you guys think cannot agree more subs were working out great this week uh i mean bravo very very happy to see us make the adjustments earlier versus waiting until you know the 80th minute or later to to sub in some bodies which is all we saw from diego alonso we're seeing subs i mean obviously the robbie you know going down with with the hammy industry uh industry injury that's going to cause for the you know immediate sub of the uh second half but you know it did not take long after 62nd minute we had the the federico coming on for bizarro 69th minute 73rd minute i mean that's really given plenty of time to to have your changes make an impact and then 78th minute 79th minute you know and then one more sub in the 83rd minute so i think that's proper game management i think that's understanding your team's not full match fitness and that you need to make the the right decisions by identifying who can last the full game, who can come off, and where we can get our impacts from. Beyond beyond all the tactics to this whole thing, just gotta say, love the fight, love the fight. We we mm -hmm. do not win this game last year, no chance. What what probably happens? We probably tie one one, and we give up a goal in sixty seconds and lose the game. That's probably <laughs> yeah. what happens in reality. So just gotta say, true testament to. 
Phil Neville and the entire coaching staff. It's not just Phil. It's all the different pieces that David Beckham has invested and brought in this offseason to really put his stamp on this club. And it's been impressive. Dan, what do you think about Phil's Phil's job so far in the 2021 season? You know, as we were leaving, we were able to walk down along the touchline and you could see almost the weight lift itself off of the remaining coaches on the sideline shoulders. They were, you know, happy. They were giddy. They were, it almost looked like they were players dressed in street clothes. They were excited for the win. They were fist pumping and, and jumping up and down. And, you know, it, it's good to see Phil making the changes when he needs to make them, but it's also good to see that he's propping his other coaches up say, hey, no, we're good. We'll be okay. We're good to go. Indeed. Could not, could not agree more. Very, very happy to see it all, honestly. Uh, main takeaways from here. I mean, I, I, we knocked a lot of our key takeaways out already, but man of the match, none other than the sexiest bald man with a beard, Mr. Federico Higuain. There it is. There it is. Getting this man a goddamn sponsorship. But besides the man of the match, Federico, what were some other takeaways? I mean, what, what do you guys got? I mean, I got to say, first and foremost for me, it was our midfield. If we can play like that, we are going to be tough to beat any match we play in. It felt phenomenal just seeing those guys play the way they did. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say let Nico Fagal play in the attack a little bit more. Ooh, I kind of like him as a right back running up that right side, creating some mischief. I got to go, and I, I'm going to have to lay on my sword on this one, but John McCarthy, uh, he looked miles away better. I know Jay's happy to hear me say that because I have not been his most yes. uh, staunch supporter. Yes. But, uh, and, you know, I even texted the group. I said, that, wow, John's looking pretty good in pregame. Like, he was he was bouncing all over the place. He was getting in front of the ball. He said they were and drilling tell, him. Well, yeah, and you could tell that as the play was developing, John was reading it, and that's what I think he lacked in the first game against the Galaxy. So uh, John would be my my pick for sure. I didn't really see any mental mistakes in this one also. I just want to throw that in there. Uh, I think, I mean, last game, obviously, he kind of petted that, that ball away or, you know, dove the wrong way for, for one getting up made. I'm not here to list them all off, but uh, that was such a thing that played us last season, and I feel like this was one of the few games we've seen where I honestly don't think any – really flagrant mental mistakes were made. I think for the most part, we held it together. Yep. Well, fellas, as we, as we wrap up the conversation about the Philly union, actually, <laughs> this is a little fun fact. Do you, do you guys know who owns 5% stake in the Philadelphia union? I'll give you a hint. Dan, you already know it. Hit me. Kevin Durant. Atta boy. You got it, bud. That is Kevin Durant of... He is, he is a one of the founders of the uh, amazing 80s rock band, Duran Duran, right? Yeah, no, that's the same guy. That's the that's same, same guy. guy. Okay, figured. Also figured. known as Trant... There, there's some crazy stat of how many times Kevin Durant tweets. If we tweet him right now, he might respond to us by the end. He might get all, get all butt hurt because apparently he's very easy to trigger. Probably an Orlando City fan. It can't be any worse than when I tweeted Ocho Cinco about playing us in FIFA. So, yeah. I mean... Uh, he never did respond, did he? No, he never did. And I'm still looking for you, Ocho. Oh, he he no. don't want that smoke. He ocho that Cinco, smoke. more like Ocho Stinko. Oh, man, we are we are losing it. We're going to have to keep it moving. We beat this dead horse enough. Let's look ahead to the upcoming game we have. We are talking oh, about our ugly little stepbrother, our ugly little expansion team who happened to do much better than us. Uh, but we are talking about our game coming up on Sunday against Nashville SC. 
this is going to be a good redemption game. They knocked us out of the play-in rounds. Um, what do you expect? Their defensive powerhouse are now starting to get their attack figured out. So this is going to be a very, very interesting game to watch. I got some some players on their team too, not yeah. to mention Dylan Nealis. They do. Uh, they played last week, same day I believe we did. Uh, they did tie Montreal CF, which Montreal is actually doing pretty damn good this year. Resulted in a 2-2 tie. Uh, the tie was off of a comeback uh, where they were down 2-0 at one point during this game. So Nashville does have two points this year. That comes from two ties, Cincinnati and Montreal. And they is currently sitting in the seventh seed in the East. That's right, behind us this year. Uh, as we know, this is our expansion club rival, if we want to go ahead and say this. They kicked our ass last year. Nashville SC finished seventh in the East in the Eastern Conference last year. And they went ahead to the semifinals where they lost against the Columbus Crew, which obviously did go ahead uh, to win the cup. So They beat us 3-0 and caused us to shut our TVs off. Yes, uh, they which is did. the only game that we've <laughs> that's happened so far. I was gonna say that was the game that I think I I think I left. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What time is this game starting? This game is on May second at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which May second is Saturday or Sunday, Jay. That is Sunday. All right. Well, Sunday. You know what that means? It's for football. But last year we played Nashville three times. We had one draw and two losses, and obviously for you math whizzes out there, that's zero wins. Uh, players to go ahead and watch are Randall Liao, as well as Mukhtar and Dax McCarthy. They were people who played on the club last year, as well as Mr. Walker Zimmerman, who was the 2020 Defensive Player of the Year and was a member of the MLS Best 11. Gentlemen, we got our hands full, but I think a very winnable game. I don't know, buddy. They're they're a tough squad. They came back two uh, two down to uh, to win last week, uh, which was to tie or to tie rather. Yeah, sorry, sorry to tie. But Hani Mukhtar comes back with with a, a, a really well composed goal uh, in the in the box just to to really pass it. Uh, past the keeper. So look, they're a defensive team. They're willing to sit up there and say we're better on defense than you are. Now they're starting to string together their attack. So this will be a pretty great battle. We were not nearly uh, all on the same page like we are at least seeming to be this season. So I, I do think we can go out here and get a win, but this is going to be a game. You got to grind it out. Even if you go up, you cannot have any lapses. You have to stay 100% mentally ready uh, because they will give you everything they've got. They're playing at home at Nashville. They're playing in the NFL stadium right now as they build their stadium. So I think their 30% capacity is much greater than any other stadium. So there's going to be fans there. They love their guitars. They're going to be bringing the atmosphere for sure. This is going to be uh, some very, very um, good game to watch, honestly. It's going to be, I think, a high-stress game for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be one of those games that we can't go behind early, in my opinion. The defense is going to have to you know, really make sure that we are playing as a cohesive unit like we already touched on and make sure we hold, uh, you know, Mukhtar scored a goal, uh, Cadiz scored a goal. So we're going to have to make sure we hold those guys uh, in check and feed the ball through the middle, get out to the wings and get a couple more headers. Totally agree, man. So as we look at this game, I got to ask, what are predictions? Give me predictions. What's the final score of this match? Than you first. 
Uh, I hate to run with the running trend. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. Uh, I think we have enough in the tank to get the draw. Match fitness is going to come into question yet again. Um, I just don't think we have enough to get over the line against such a staunch defense at this point. Jay, what do you think? Uh, 2-1 win to enter Miami, and I think it's going to involve probably a, a, a somewhere between 20, 10 to 20 minutes of the, the, the end of the second half where we're just all out defense trying to prevent them. I think they're going to, they're going to make a value and effort uh, to end there, but I think we can go in and get the win. FC Cincinnati went up, went two up on them. They came back and we're able to, to, to score two to draw on them. So I think we can go up. We just gotta, we gotta hold them at bay and, and, and keep them down. Very fair. And actually I got good news to report to uh, La Familia. I am actually one and O in my bets this year for inner Miami. I took the over two and a half total goals against Philadelphia union. Stay tuned. Just ask me what my picks are. Probably don't pick them, but you can go ahead and ask. It'll make me feel good. It's cool. Uh, fellas, I'm going to go with a one, one tie on this one. I'm normally a big time inner Miami W type of guy, but I got to say, this is going to be a grind them out type of game. I do hope that we are able to jump on them quick and play a little bit of defensive ball because this club does not really known for their scoring. So we're going to go ahead and see. And Jay, you want to go ahead and give us one more thing? Well, no, they, they haven't been known for the scoring, but they seem to be putting it together this season. I mean, they've got four goals for, I mean, same as us. So they, they are scoring. What I do want to point out, though, is uh, the standings as far as the Eastern Conference goes. Uh, Miami is sitting in uh, fifth on the table, but technically uh, tied for fourth. We've got Montreal, Atlanta, and New England all tied for first. Uh, then we got New York City, Inter Miami, and DC United tied goal differential separating uh, the rest. Uh, anyway, so we're on the the top seven, which is where we need to be. Nashville is on that seventh spot, uh, just above where they need to be for the playoffs. Uh, now, also wanting to uh, a little bit of extra news that came out today, but of course ESPN drops their MLS power rankings every week, and this week uh, our previous ranking was. 25 and we bumped all the way up to 12th overall best team in the MLS per ESPN's power ranking. So kudos to the lads. Uh, keep it up. Let's keep climbing that. I would love to see us in the top five by the season. Okay, that is so loud. Mm. Well, with that, that's all we got. We don't have anything no else news. to talk about. There's there, no, there's news. no news. There's no there's no rumors trading around the the old rumor mill that Jay likes to go ahead and talk about sometimes. So, you know, with that, I think our time is coming to a close. It, it most certainly is. But thank you so much uh, for this episode. Yeah, I'm sure there will be more news to come out uh, in the week coming up. But uh, if you don't already, please do check us out. Follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. It's at Podcast. We are on Twitter. It's at Enter MIA Podcast. Check out Pink Smoke when it drops by none other than Mr. Than Harrington. Uh, of course, uh, Than, always a pleasure having you on this show. Our road dog who held it down, took some pictures, telling us how good of a time he had up there at uh, Philadelphia, buddy. But thank you so much for coming on as always. I appreciate you both. Uh, you know, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully, I can get out to a few more away games if they ever release some more tickets. So we'll try to be out there in the stands. We'll find a way to take care of you. I promise. But as we end every episode, vamos Miami, vamos Miami, vamos Miami.